Uh, this is a, a message that has to do with the Samaritans. And basically folks who weren't Jews, and since most of as far as I know, we all start off as Gentiles, so that would include us. <clears throat> Jesus did not avoid the Samaritans in spite of the long history of resentment and antagonism between the Jews and Samaritans. You see, back in 722 BC, the northern kingdom of Israel was conquered by Babylon, and many of their people were taken off into exile. Some of those who were left behind ended up marrying relatives of the people who had conquered them. And the descendants of the southern kingdom of Judah, like Jesus and his disciples, were called the Jews. The Jews thought of the Samaritans as unclean because of Babylonian gods that some of them had adopted. And, and also the Samaritan scripture was not like our Old Testament with prophets and songs and so on and the wisdom books but just the Torah the five books of Moses now centuries later the Samaritans worshipped Jehovah but not in Jerusalem their temple was on Mount Gerizim also it didn't really help the relationship that the Jews had burned that Mount Gerizim temple about 128 BC and just as some people still harbor feelings from the, our own American Civil War, you know, they, they, there were still people harbored angry feelings about that destruction. So the disciples going to Samaria, they'd feel as comfortable as somebody decked out in Tar Heel gear would feel at Duke, <laughs> or vice versa. Now, the place where this story is set was rich in history. Centuries earlier, Jacob had dug a well there, and it's, that's where Jacob erected an Ebenezer. Ebenezer is a word that's mentioned a couple of times in one of our hymns. Here I raise my Ebenezer, and most people think it has something to do with Scrooge. No, no. An Ebenezer is a monument to God. A pile of stones as a monument to God. And that's where... Jacob had said, surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. On his deathbed, Jacob had given this land to his son Joseph, and long after the exodus from Egypt, this is where they buried the bones of Joseph. Now, you may not know the term type scene or what that, exactly what that means, but you know one when you see one. For example, at the beginning of a movie, a man and a woman, say, I don't know, Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan, and I guess nowadays it'd be J-Lo and somebody, I don't know. <laughs> They're distracted with other things. They're walking down the street, and boom, they accidentally bump into each other. Just happen to meet, and you just know, because you've seen this kind of movie before. You just know they're going to be the love couple interest. Or in a scary suspense movie, Somebody unsuspecting, somebody innocent and vulnerable. They get separated from the group. Maybe they go off by themselves to do something like gather firewood or they go for a swim at night. You just know, you've seen this movie before, you know they're in trouble. That's a type scene. Well, for first century readers of John's Gospel, Scenes at a well where a man and a woman meet 
In the old, that's a type scene. In the Old Testament, when a man and a woman meet at a well, uh-oh, here comes a marriage. Here comes a wedding. For example, the 24th chapter of Genesis, we read Abraham sent a servant to find a wife for Isaac, and he met Rebekah at a well where she gave him some water. In the 29th chapter of Genesis, you can read that Jacob met his wife, Rachel, at a well. And in the second chapter of Exodus, you can read about how Moses met his future bride, Zipporah, at a well. So this time, though, the man and the woman at the well, they don't get married. He gets a drink, a drink of water, and she becomes a disciple. Now, for today's scripture reading from the fourth chapter of John, I recruited, recruited a narrator and someone, someone with a birthday, to read the words of the Samaritan woman. We'll be reading from this version I told you called The Voice. Presents the Bible as a screenplay mic. Ms. Narrator. If you'll bow your heads, let us pray for illumination. We seek you in your word, O God, as though searching for water in a dry and weary land. By the power of your Holy Spirit, may this word be to us a rich feast, satisfying the soul and leading us to life in you. Amen. For the Jews in Israel, Samaria was a place to be avoided. Before Solomon's death a thousand years earlier, the regions of Samaria and Judea were part of a united Israel. After the rebellion that divided the kingdom, Samaria became a hotbed of idol worship. The northern kings made alliances that corrupted the people by introducing foreign customs and strange gods. They built a temple to the true God on Mount Gerizim to rival the one in Jerusalem. In a small Samaritan town known as Sychar, Jesus and his entourage stopped to rest at the historic well that Jacob gave his son Joseph. It was about noon when Jesus found a spot to sit close to the well while the disciples ventured off to find provisions. From his vantage, he watched as a Samaritan woman approached to draw some water. Unexpectedly, he spoke to her. Would you draw water and give me a drink? I cannot believe that you, a Jew, would associate with me, a Samaritan woman, much less ask me to give you a drink. Jews, you see, have no dealings with Samaritans. Also, a man never approaches a woman like this in public. Jesus is breaking accepted social barriers with this confrontation. You don't know the gift of God or who is asking you for a drink of this water from Jacob's well, because if you did, you would have asked him for something greater, and he would have given you the living water. Sir, you sit by this deep well 
a thirsty man without a bucket in sight. Where does this living water come from? Are you claiming superiority to our father Jacob, who labored long and hard to dig and maintain this well so that he could share clean water with his sons, his grandchildren, and his cattle? Drink this water, and your thirst is quenched only for a moment. You must return to this well again and again. I offer water that will become a wellspring within you that gives life throughout eternity. You will never be thirsty again. Please, sir, give me some of this water so I'll never be thirsty and never again have to make the trip to this well. Then bring your husband to me. I do not have a husband. Technically, you are telling the truth that you have, but you have five husbands and are currently living with a man you are not married to. <laughs> Sir, it's obvious to me that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped here on this mountain, but your people say that Jerusalem is the only place for all to worship. Which is it? Woman, I tell you that neither is so. Believe this, a new day is coming, in fact it's already here, when the importance will not be placed on the time and place of worship, but on the truthful hearts of worshipers. You worship what you don't know, while we worship what we do know, for God's salvation is coming through the Jews. The Father is spirit, and he is seeking followers whose worship is sourced in truth and deeply spiritual as well. Regardless of whether you are in Jerusalem or on this mountain, if you do not seek the Father, then you do not worship. These mysteries will be made clear by he who is promised, the Anointed One. The Anointed One is speaking to you. I am the one you have been looking for. The disciples returned to him and gathered around him in amazement that he would openly break their customs by speaking to this woman but none of them would ask him what he was looking for or why he was speaking with her. The woman went back to town, leaving her water pot behind. She stopped men and women on the streets and told them about what had happened. I met a stranger who knew everything about me. Come, see for yourselves. Can he be the anointed one? A crowd came out of the city and approached Jesus. During all of this, the disciples were urging Jesus to eat the food they had gathered. I have food to eat that you know nothing about. The disciples said to one another, is it possible someone else brought him food while we were away? I received my nourishment by serving the will of the Father who sent me and completing his work. 
You have heard others say, be patient, we have four more months to wait until the crops are ready for harvest. I say, take a closer look, and you will see that the fields are ripe and ready for harvest. The harvester is collecting his pay, harvesting fruit ripe for eternal life. So even now, he and the sower are celebrating their fortune. The saying may be old, but it is true. One person sows and another reaps. I sent you to harvest where you had not labored. Some, someone else took the time to plant and cultivate, and you feast on the fruit of their labor. Meanwhile, because one woman shared with her neighbors how Jesus exposed her past and present, the village of Sychar was transformed. Many Samaritans heard and believed. The Samaritans approached Jesus and repeatedly invited him to stay with them, so he lingered there for two days on their account. With the words that came from his mouth, there were many more believing Samaritans. They began their faith journey because of the testimony of the woman beside the well. But when they heard for themselves, they were convinced the one they were hearing was and is God's anointed, the liberating king, sent to rescue the entire world. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. The Lord made the words of my mouth. May the words of my mouth and may our thoughts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You know, last week we read about someone coming to Jesus at night, Nicodemus, the Pharisee, to whom Jesus said, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son to everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Well, in the third and fourth chapters of John's Gospel, we have two stories in which very different people have an encounter with Jesus Christ. One comes by night in private under cover of darkness. The other meets Jesus in public in the noonday sun, the brightest time of the day. One is a man with a name, Nicodemus. The other is an unnamed woman. One is an important person in his Jewish community. He's in the top 1%, you know. The other is a woman of no special importance, even in our own community. One way that Nicodemus and the Samaritan woman are alike, though, is that initially, they both take, take Jesus really literally, and that's what got Nicodemus, you remember, so confused about being born again or born from above. And the Samaritan woman at first thought Jesus was speaking literally about water when he said, those who drink of the water that I give will never be thirsty. But as the conversation went on, she began to understand who it was was asking her or a drink of water, which is the reason for that sermon title. Who's asking? We don't really know if Nicodemus told his <clears throat> buddies, his colleagues, about his encounter with Jesus. But we do know that the Samaritan woman did. She was so excited she ran to tell her friends. Okay, the Bible didn't exactly say she ran. But the eighth verse tells us 
she left her water jar and went back to the city. She didn't want anything to burden her as she ran to rush to tell her friends. Come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. You don't think he's the Messiah, do you? She suspected then. And then what happened? Well, many of the Samaritans from the city believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony that he's told me all my past. And when the Samaritan woman came to him, came to him they, asked, they asked him to stay there with them. And he stayed for a couple of days. And many, many more believed because of his word. And that's when they said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, because we have heard for ourselves. And we know this is truly the Savior of the world. Well, friends, you have heard the gospel good news for yourselves. Jesus Christ is truly the Savior of the world. Thanks be to God. The hour is coming, and now is here. So go forth to worship the Lord your God in spirit and in truth, in all that you say, and all that you do, and wherever you are. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ spring up like living water and fill your heart and flow through your, your life from this day forth.